Welcome to Cayo Living, where Cayo alumni share our Cayo stories. The purpose of Cayo Living is to share how Cayo Omega has continued to enrich our lives even decades following our undergrad commencements. So welcome, sisters. I am Paula Axford, and I am so glad that you joined me. Cayo Living is a podcast for Cayos by Cayos. I will be visiting with sisters from all over, talking about what led them to Cayo Omega and how our beloved sisterhood has continued to enrich their lives over the years. This is just a reminder that Cayo Living is not connected to the National Organization of Cayo Omega in any way, and all of the thoughts and opinions are my own and that of the sisters that I am chatting with. So welcome back, sisters. It has been a minute since my last episode, and that has been for several reasons. First of all, I got all new technology. I got a new computer, new software, and um, I'm still working on some parts of that, and this transition has not been overnight. Um, but please bear with me, and I'm continuing to you know, make some improvements, and I'm really excited about what is still to come. And then I was not feeling well for a while, and then I got really sick and learned that I needed to have a little surgery. It was just like a you know one day outpatient type thing, but I felt immediately better. However, I did have to take um, a little bit of time for a full recovery, but I am back and feeling great, and I am so excited to dive back into Kaya Living. Before we begin today's interview, I want to give a special shout out to Haley Parent and to all of our active sisters at our Gamma Mu chapter at Coastal Carolina University. Haley and her chapter sisters have been terrific supporters of Cayo Living, and I thank you all for your support, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you all again. Today, we are going to focus on the vehicle through which alumni, collegiate members, and friends of Chi Omega provide tax-deductible charitable support of the fraternity's educational and leadership training for all our members, both actives and alumni. That's right. Today, we are talking about the Chi Omega Foundation. The Foundation, sisters, is here for all of us in scholarship and financial assistance and grants. The flagship program of the Chi Omega Foundation has um, a number of things, and I'm going to quickly go through them, but I really want to encourage you to go to the Chi Omega website, click on Foundation, and read all that is there. It's, it's really fun and very motivating. And you learn um, what this money does to continue to improve our organization, keep us in all ways at state of the art and um, to support our sisters in need. So first of all, we have the Lori Walton Leadership Institute of Chi Omega. Excuse me, the, I'm sorry, I, I always say that wrong. Forgive me. It is the Nancy Walton Lori Leadership Institute of Chi Omega. Okay, I'm going to say that again. The Nancy Walton Lori Leadership Institute of Chi Omega. This is Chi Omega's premier leadership training program. Topics such as values and ethics help develop our members into leaders. And again, this is both actives and alumni in their communities, careers, and on campus. We have scholarships and grants that are provided by the foundation. And as we all know, academic achievement is one of our founding purposes 
and a top priority for Chi Omega. Scholarships and grants support both active and alumni members in pursuit of academic excellence. And I am the proud recipient of um, a graduate scholarship that I received about five years ago. It was a very difficult time for me. And a, one of my sisters suggested that I, um, you know, just apply. And I'm, I'm just so proud that um, the Chi Omega Foundation supported me and helped me make it through that next level in my master's program. We also have our risk management education. Chi Omega's nationally recognized leadership in confronting alcohol abuse on campus has reached thousands in combating the significant threat to Greek life. And this is made possible by our donors and the foundation. We also have the Helping Hands Fund for Disaster Relief. This is a fund that was created to help Chi Omega alumni and collegians who are suddenly in financial need due to presidentially declared disasters. There's also the Helping Hands Fund. And through this program, the foundation comes to the aid of alumni at times of crisis. Communication and technology is a huge part of our world today and um, part of what keeps, keeps us in touch with each other. And also, um, you know, from the national level down to the individual local level. So the foundation provides uh, technical infrastructure that is the daily lifeline of Chi Omega's numerous member services and resources. Alumni and collegians can use your password to access the training and resource center for helpful tools. And there is so much on the member site of the Chi Omega website. Um, you can find uh, sisters from your chapter that you may have lost touch with. You can um, make donations. You can um, find out who is the state uh, recruitment information chairman in your area. You can uh, complete and submit a RIF, a recruitment information form. There's just so much there. So I encourage you to check that out. And then also we have the extraordinary Chi Omega Executive Headquarters. This exceptional facility is located in Memphis, Tennessee, and is owned and maintained by the Chi Omega Foundation. I had the privilege of being there at the Executive Headquarters for our centennial, our um in 1995. And if you have the opportunity or try to create the opportunity to visit, not only is Memphis such a, an amazing place to visit, but I think that you will be really proud when you see the Chi Omega Executive Headquarters and meet our staff there. Um, so now we are going to move on into today's episode. And today we are chatting with Sister Susan Miller Bush. Susan was born in Monroe, Louisiana and grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. She went to the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill and pledged our Epsilon Beta chapter in 1981. A year and a half later, 
um, for many reasons, and we'll hear her talk about this. Susan transferred to the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, and affiliated with our PI chapter in 1983. Susan served PI as chapter historian her junior year and then recruitment chair for senior year. Upon graduation and marrying her a wonderful husband, Jay. They moved to Atlanta, where she worked for the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company. They returned to Knoxville in 1990, and that is where and when she began volunteering for Chi Omega. She served as pledge advisor until 1996, when they moved to Wisconsin. Um, they moved to Appleton, Wisconsin, and there she served um, as the regional alumni, or excuse me, the state uh, recruitment information chair for Wisconsin, and she was also a regional alumni director for the Midwest for two terms. She has served on the scholarship committee for the foundation. Uh, she continues to serve on the donor relations committee for the foundation, and she is currently on the Ever at Heart campaign for the Chi Omega Foundation. And as we closed in on our 125th anniversary at convention in 2020, Susan stepped out and issued a challenge to Chi Omegas everywhere. If 5,000 sisters donated $10 or more, she would gift $125,000 to the Chi Omega Foundation. Needless to say, Kayos Everywhere answered her challenge, and we could not be more grateful to Susan. Susan says, I am grateful every day for the friendships I have made and continue to make in Chi Omega. I volunteer and donate to Chi Omega in honor of my mom and dad, their friends, alumni, and women in the chapter who mentored and guided me throughout college. I want to pay it forward by providing the resources to protect our collegiate sisters and to help them make wise choices. So, Kyo listeners, please join me in welcoming Sister Susan Miller Bush. Now, let's meet Susan. Okay, welcome everybody. And here she is. I've been talking about Sister Susan Miller Bush. Welcome, Susan. I have been after you for a while. I have, <laughs> I have, you know, I was not going to give up on Susan Miller Bush from well, thank you. you know, I'm honored. Well, it's like I said, it's it's my it's a privilege to have you here and um, talk about your Chi Omega experience um, and what you're doing for Chi Omega, what Chi Omega has done for you and what you're doing for Chi Omega. But before we start to unpack all of that, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about the world of Susan today. Where do you live? You know, tell us about your family. That, do you have any pets? That kind of thing. Uh, well, where do I live? I'll start with that. Um, we have lived for the past, uh, since 94, um, no, no, I'm sorry, since 96, we moved to Appleton, Wisconsin, um, from Knoxville, Tennessee, which, um, because my, we had a plant near Appleton that my husband's family owns, and so we came up here for him to run that, um, and when we sold the plant, in 04, this is just such a wonderful area that's kind of like Mayberry. Um, 
and it was a great place for our kids. So we just decided to stay here. That does not mean though, we are not back and forth to Knoxville quite a lot because that's where the home office is of the business. Um, and my two sons, one Ian is uh, about to turn 29 and he lives in Nashville. He went to Belmont College and is a Belmont University mm -hmm. in Nashville and he stayed there. Um, my other son, Cameron, went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and he now lives in Denver. Um, and how old is Cameron? Cameron is um, going to be turning 26 okay. next week, or uh -huh. later this week. Um, he was in a fraternity at, he was a Kaisai at Madison. Um, my older son at Belmont didn't do, he went through the rush, but it, it's a different kind of campus, and that wasn't his thing. Plus he's a musician, so he has his own fraternity right. in that respect. Um, we live here. We also, in the past couple of years, my husband said we need a uh, winter place, you know, now that we're empty nesters. Um, so we have a place out in Las Vegas um, that we have spent the past couple of winters there. Um, however, we left there in the midst of COVID because it just, every everywhere was kind of weird. Let's just leave it at mm -hmm. that, at that point. And um, fun thing about COVID for us was my son and his significant other, we all descended on Appleton and they were with us through, through the end of May. And for part of that also, my son and his significant other came up from Nashville for the last two weeks of May. And in the midst of that, with all of them, we had two, their two dogs and a cat because <laughs> Jay and I've been trying, we've always had dogs, but we're at a brief respite right now where all of our dogs were gone. Um, and we're getting ready to ramp back up and get some more dogs, but uh, we are definitely a pet family. Um, Aside from that, the world of Susan, well, the world of Susan with COVID is a lot different than the world of Susan the rest right. of the time. Um, I'm an avid traveler, my husband and I, especially me, but I love exploring the world. Um, and we do that as a couple via music. We love going to concerts. We love going to and have since we first started dating. Um, and we've kind of passed that love on to our kids and that my older son was a, is a musician um, and is a drummer and an artist. So that life for him continued, he was in bands. So we kind of followed them all around and that's how we've, you know, my older brother thinks we're crazy because we've not realized how old we are, but it's like, you know what? We, we have opened our home to musicians we have a music festival in Appleton. It keeps us young and we like, we like being with the kids. And for the most part, they still like us because they still come home and like to be with us as well. So right now though, during COVID, um, I'm an introverted extrovert. If, if anybody's ever done Myers-Briggs. So when yes. COVID first hit, I was like, this is really not that different than the rest <laughs> of the time. Just everybody's now home doing the same thing I'm doing. Um, so I read a lot. I'm very into sports. Um, you know, we're boring and normal, okay. basically. 
Um, now, speaking of sports, what about, I'm going to jump into uh, any college football that you're following. Since oh, well, yeah, I, I'm, I grew up, my, my dad was a football player when he was in college, um, tiny little college, but I, I am the stereotypical crazy SEC Southern sports woman. All right. Um, I love Tennessee. You know, we've, I, if any, if there is a uh, endurance award, it's for being a Tennessee fan. I mean, it's, you know, you have your highs and your lows, right. but it's great. Um, living in Wisconsin, because my other son went to, to UW, we're Badger fans, tangentially. And then we have the Green Bay Packers here. So we follow that, you know, insanely. Um, it's funny because, I, you know, my boys were both involved in sports and theater and music. Um, my younger son was in hockey, so I was the hockey mom. Um, it's just, it's what we grew up doing. So, yes, I'm a so, nutty, I'm a nutty, screaming Southern woman at the football. So football I'm a screamer, too. Um, <laughs> I'm a big SEC fan myself. Um, but we'll talk about that in a little bit because I don't want to veer too off track of where we're going. Um, so you said that you love exploring the world and it sounds like you also travel a, a lot around the country, either yes. following um, music or sporting events or something like that. Okay, how about, well, I have to say, I completely pictured us talking, me here in Marion, Georgia and you in Knoxville, Tennessee. So yeah. this... This is kind of a surprise. <laughs> so, um, I, but I'm interested to know um, where you grew up and, are, you know, are you from yeah. um, Tennessee? You know, if you tell us about that. Okay. My parents, um, my mom grew up in Morton, Mississippi and Jackson, Mississippi. My dad grew up in Jackson, Mississippi and New Orleans. Um they went to school, both of them went to college in Jackson, Mississippi. My mom went to a girl's school called Bellhaven. My dad went to Millsaps. Um, he then went on to medical school at Tulane. So fast forward a little bit, he ended, he did his residency in New Orleans and I was born in Monroe, Louisiana. So not long after I was born, he took his job in Knoxville, Tennessee. And so that's where, essentially where I grew up. I'm not a native, but I feel like it. Um, so that's where that's where I grew up. I have an older brother, Will, who lives in um, Wagram, North Carolina. Um, he and I, I started college at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and was there for two years and then transferred back to, uh, or transferred to the University of Tennessee. So grew up in Knoxville, went to web school in Knoxville. Um, and for all intents and purposes, that's, that's home. Right, that's um, kind of like I the mean, center of the universe. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the neat thing is I've got two homes really. I've got here in Appleton. Right. Where we've had you know great friends, great life, kids grew up. And then we also have down there. Um, and, I think, and both my boys were born in Knoxville. Um, and is that where they grew up and where they were raised? No, the, we when we moved up here, they were two and five. Oh, okay. So they know so, Appleton as home. They know Appleton as home, but a wonderful gift that my parents, my my dad and stepmom gave 
all of their grandsons, because they're four grandsons, um, is the ability to go to a summer camp in um, northern Alabama, where my brother and I went to the boy, he went to Alpine, and I went to Camp DeSoto. And the reason that it was so important to them is it was all, those camps were run and owned by friends of theirs and family members that they grew up with. So when my brother and I went to these two camps, we were like the only Knoxville kids, Tennessee kids there. Everybody else was from Mississippi, Louisiana, whatever. So you, you have those ties. Well, my kids went to those camps from the time they could go every summer. They went for a month, um, which was difficult for my mother-in-law to understand because my husband didn't do that. But it was uh, just the most blissful summers that you could have because there's, you know, you had to learn to write letters home every mm. week. You had no telephone contact with your parents. You had no, well, granted, we didn't even have that back then, but even when my kids went, there's no iPhone, there's no digital, nothing. So they both went for as long as they could. They went through ninth grade and then they went back as, uh, you know, junior counselors called kitchen boys. And then my older son went back as a counselor and those friendships that I am, I'm coming around to a point. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm with you. Um, <laughs> going back and seeing my kids and dropping them off every summer, you would stay at DeSoto State Park with the other moms the night before and reconnecting with all those girls were girls that I'd gone to camp with and uh -huh. we'd lost touch through the years. Something else that I realized through the years and once I'm with Comega and many years later, a lot of the women that started DeSoto and the counselors were all either in the Greek system or had been Greeks or whatever, but a lot of them were Comegas. And I didn't know that until many years later and you start doing that. Do you know, do you right. know, how do you know that person? And it was like, huh. You know, I didn't realize behind the scenes, my mom was not in a sorority. She was in a high school sorority, which they had back then. And I found, you know, years after she passed, it was like Chi Omega. It was like Beta Chi Omega, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But the majority of her friends were all Chi Omegas. So, um, you know, I, I realized way after how important that had been to her to make sure I had those kind of friendships. Not that it was Greek or Kaimega, but those genuine friendships that you that yeah. you make through the years. So yeah, I, I had, for the most part, an idyllic upbringing. Um, That's what I pictured at the summer camp. It's, it's yeah. like, it's to me, it just sounds like a dream. Like- Oh, it was. And, and something that my kids, since my boys had it, and living in Appleton, which they could be what I called like I was growing up when it was safe, a feral children <laughs> in that they organized throughout their neighborhood and all their friends night games. And they would play night games through town, being capture the flag, being all that kind of stuff, which you couldn't do now in right. bigger cities. And there would be times they would come home. I was like, where, you know, they're all dressed in black. They've got their flashlights. They've got all this kind of stuff. I was like, you know, y'all cannot go running through people's backyards. And they're like, oh, it's fine. It's fine, mom. And I'm like, Ugh. well, yeah, it is here. 
but it might not be, you know, they did finally win. My oldest was a senior, the youngest was a freshman in high school. They finally, because their capture the flag games became like a five mile radius. Okay. And they became more elaborate um, <laughs> with people in cars and flashlights trying to find the kids running through the yards and they're all dressed in black. And finally the police did stop them and was like, what, what are y'all doing? And it's like, well, we're playing capture the flag. And it's like, yeah, that's no, no, you just need to go home. Mm -hmm. And so they came home tails between their legs then. And I was like, well, <laughs> he's you right. Go. You know, y'all are kind of scary when you're running <laughs> around in mass like that. So, well, I imagine that maybe the police or neighbors thought that there were ulterior motives. Maybe <laughs> they were into something else. I don't know. But, yeah, um, and then the other thing too is, is, you know, today, obviously, you know, the, the safety issue. Um, oh yeah. 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 Now so, it's like, right. And, we and have to construct those things for our, our kids. Yeah. And, and now, and it's been interesting, um, the perspective from my kids standpoint now with all that's gone on, you know, social unrest and all that kind of stuff and them having the realization, it's like, you know, we were very privileged that we were able to do that. And somebody didn't come out and, you know, confront us, mm -hmm. call the cops on us and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, and I'm glad they have that perspective and I'm glad they were able to see, you know, it's not the same for everybody and there's it's not fair but to realize that and do something about it moving forward mm -hmm. so well i'm wondering what brought you to unc chapel hill how did you get there um going to web web school in knoxville is a great private prep school and at that time they really you were just you were not pushed, but strongly encouraged to look elsewhere, to look mm -hmm. at the bigger picture. And I had at that time, as much as I love Tennessee, I had no intention of going there because um, I don't know, I was just kind of, you know, led. It's like, well, you need to go bigger. So I had spent the summer of before my senior year in high school at Davidson College in a, I'm a total nerd in a <laughs> academic program for the summer which was great fun um in a weird kind of way but I realized after being at Davidson which is a wonderful school I did not want to be in another school that small I mean web web is a small school mm -hmm. and and it's been wonderful I was there when they started the sixth grade to 12th grade we graduated with 79 kids so everybody knew everybody right. and everybody knew everybody's business. And I just kind of wanted to see what else was there. It also didn't hurt. My brother had transferred from, he had, <laughs> we're a transferring family. He had gone to the University of the South Sewanee for his first two years and played soccer for them. And it, would that be in Metro Atlanta? No, Sewanee is uh, on Lookout, Mon Eagle, Tennessee. Okay. Because there's um, a Sawani here in Georgia. I was wondering. Yeah, okay. This one, that's like S-U-W-A. Okay. This is S-E-W-A-N-E-E. -E. But um, it's called the Oxford of the South. And uh, he realized it was small and he wanted to go somewhere else. So he transferred to UNC. And I looked at it, looked at their Furman and Wake Forest and got in UNC and was like, great, this is where I want to go. Um, so... 
yeah that's how I ended up there okay um and then I'm wondering I mean UNC to me you know just seems like another great campus Chapel Hill oh, is gorgeous. absolutely beautiful yeah. um what brought you then to UT Maxwell well um there were a lot of things um my my senior year in high school my parents divorced um it had been difficult because on there's a whole lot of backstory with it my mother was an alcoholic and so my dad couldn't fix her right. and he loved her but he could he just mm -hmm. he couldn't fix her so um going through rush my mom was a huge proponent of you know loved Kamega, every phone call and, and, and being, I don't want to say a difficult child, but contrary. And I can say that because my younger son and I are very similar and, you know, I wasn't going to let her know everything all the time. Um, but anyway, bid night, I got, I got the, the bid from Kamega. I called my mom. She was in the midst of a massive aneurysm. So mm -hmm. fast forward, she never fully recovered. She was in a hospital for a year and then she was in a nursing home for another eight years. She never spoke again. Um, but there was some cognition and subsequent little mini strokes. What I didn't realize till many years later, the depression that had started for me, my senior in high school, my entire freshman year and part of the and, and going into part of the next and I was miserable I would have been miserable anywhere mm -hmm. and yet I was in one of the greatest places ever beautiful right. campus great school friends I needed I needed a change so that Thanksgiving of my sophomore year I'd come home from school and talking with my dad stepmom because yeah, let's add to that. They got married in the middle of my freshman year of college. It's like, you know, That's you a lot. when you do those tests for all the different life changes, it's like, okay, let's just have another. One. Right. Um, and she's, my stepmother is lovely. I, she's more like a big sister. But um, my dad was like, I go, you know, dad, what I think I might want to do is why don't I take next semester off enroll at Tennessee in the fall and then you know go from there and he was like um no we did that with your brother and he you know he took a year off and he goes why don't you just go down to UT Monday and this was Thanksgiving <laughs> break and see if you can go ahead and just transfer and I was like okay so I did and it just it was easy it was an easy transition it was smart that I didn't take the year off. Um, so I came back to Chapel Hill, let them know I was going to be leaving, let my roommate, who was a dear friend from Knoxville, say, and she knew I'd been unhappy, but mm -hmm. I don't think anybody knew because I wasn't sharing a whole yeah. lot. Um, well, the other thing too, I'm guessing, is first of all, we were not aware, at, you know, oh. we were in college of mental health, yeah. and you may not have even understood at that time what was going on, even oh, though no, your father yeah. was a doctor, you know, and your dad may have had, you know, his pulse on it, but it wasn't, you know, things that we openly talk about, yeah. or, you know, so I, I can see where that would, 
exacerbate a feeling of loneliness and oh yeah yeah <laughs> and in in retrospect there's so much i mean a lot of my mother's alcoholism was also depression that was not dealt with so she do, do you mean like she was medicating herself that she, oh yeah okay i think, I think mm -hmm. that age group and that that uh she was born in 31 that era of women um they they self-medicated with alcohol because right. you know they were they were taught to be perfect and do everything Absolutely. and all that mm -hmm. and she'd had a very difficult childhood um and mom and I, and and now in retrospect, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, oh, it, all okay. the pieces come together. They, a lot of it all comes together now. Yeah, and and looking back at stuff, and it was finally, it was years later. I mean, I was married and all that kind of stuff, and it was after my father had passed away. Another Kaimega had said something to me that was like, you know, we were talking about stuff, and she wasn't a close friend. It was somebody that I'd met through being. Uh, alumni director regional alumni director mm -hmm. she goes have you ever thought you might be depressed and it's like huh no never thought of that and and then went through the steps to get help and it was like oh this yeah you know makes a lot of difference but it's that you know it's a whole another episode for stuff but we're so good at putting on a false face you know, and we're so good at hiding that. And I think that's from, from when I said, I have no filter, nothing's off limits. My family, you know, my dad, my brother and I, in retrospect, it's like, I'm not putting up a fake front. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, I, we're all doing the best we can. So. Well, you know, it sounds like senior year of high school, freshman year of college, was a lot. I mean, to say it was a lot to handle is, is mm -hmm. such an understatement. I can't even think of the words to, to, to say. So I can definitely see, um, you know, how that would impact what, wherever you were, wherever you mm -hmm. were in school. Um, and also in, in with mental health, it affects uh, physically, um, you know, it just, it's just every aspect of your life. Yeah. So, um, it sounds to me like transferring, like dad was, dad was right on with his idea yeah. of, well, let's just do this. Okay. This yeah, great idea. Was, jump in. He, yeah, he <laughs> was, my parents were really good at not telling you what to do, but leading you to make, you know, decisions that you have to be responsible for. Um, and, and I remember when I transferred to UT and it took me a while to get out because one, I loved school and two, I kept, I kept getting to the precipice with a major and being like, I do not want to do this for the rest of my life. And finally, my dad was like, just pick one of them. I don't care which one it is. Just pick one and finish it. It's like, okay. But he was also good at, I always had a part-time job throughout school. Mm -hmm. I mean, back when in eighth grade, you could have a part-time right. job. Um, and he's like, do something that really interests you um, and see if that's what, you know, see where that direction takes you. So, you know, I'd been camp counselors. I had worked in retail. I worked in the hospitality industry of which, you know, I thought I would go into history, math, education. I went through and did the semester where you're in the high school teaching history and realized this is not my gift. Um, I'm a great camp counselor. I'm not a good, I'm, that's, 
that's yeah. such a creative a totally role. Totally different platform. Yeah, and I applaud people that can do that because it's it's not easy. Um, and then did business, kept going back to business, and was like, you know, this is not really it. But then found, having worked at the World's Fair, worked in the restaurant industry, worked in the hospitality industry, was like, that's really fun. You've got business, you've got meeting people. It was perfect. It was perfect. So yeah, that's and what I graduate. So graduated what was, in. what did you designate then as your major? Was it business? Um, well, at, at Tennessee at that time, they had, it's, you know, hospitality restaurant manages what it's called now. Um, then it was tourism, food and lodging. So my friends called it, you know, fun and games and play, <laughs> but it was, right. so you have a, you have a business minor and okay. it's a bachelor of science. Um, well, I love that. I love the advice that your dad gave you about choosing something that, you know, you're interested in, where your heart's going to be. Um, and, you know, I was also thinking, you talked about um, privilege. And, you know, when I think of you losing your mom at that age, and I have the privilege of still having my mom, she is going to be 89 years old. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and she is in perfect health. She, you know, zips around every day. She has her organizations that, you know, wouldn't exist if it weren't for her. Um, and I, I know that the day is going to come where, you know, she's not going to be with me. And, um, yeah. and so, and I'm having a difficult time, you know, of course, I'm, I'm really so blessed every day that we have together, but I know it's not going to be that way for, yeah. you know, another 30, 40 years. So um, that is, that's a real privilege that I have. And I can't, I just can't imagine going through what you went through as a senior in high school and a freshman in college. And um, I think that that really speaks to the testament of your character. You are, I, I can, without a doubt, a strong woman who, you know, there's this new meme out now of um, something about, the storm is coming, you know, what's yeah. your reaction to the storm? Well, you, Sister Susan Miller Bush, are the storm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know, but I, I, you know, I was, my mom was, my mom was incredible. Um, and I think a testament to my mom and dad who were, you know, high school sweethearts, all that kind of stuff, and their divorce, and then my stepmother, who is also wonderful, my dad still loved my mom very mm -hmm. much, mm -hmm. but could not fix her. And my stepmother was so comfortable with that, which is another testament. I've been, you know, I get choked up about it. I have been incredibly blessed by strong women and have been incredibly blessed through Chi Omega with, I didn't realize how many strong women were rooting for me from behind the scenes that, you know, I did not know. And I think, I think that's the cool thing that means so much to me about Chi Omega and why I do what I do is that women need champions in their corners. We need to build each other up. We need to be there for each other. We're not all alike. 
And, you know, we come from, and I've met through, through my sisterhood as a collegian, then as a, an adult, and now the breadth of different types of women from all different political backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, from belief systems, it just, it just enriches, you know, Absolutely. and, and you can't, we, and that's what I think what, you know, in the, at the end of the day, when people ask about it, we're not all alike. I mean, by any stretch, mm-hmm. we're a huge, crazy family that we've stitched together. You know, you've got some cousins you like more than others, <laughs> um, but it's the respectfulness of the different yes. ideas and the ability to listen um, to all those things, especially now, especially now. Yes, it is a, social media can be such a toxic background and I do step away from it. I, I guess I ghost it to a certain degree as my kids would say, because I want to I want to make sure nobody's died, right. who's had a baby, who's getting right. married, all that kind of stuff. And, and to see the different types of arguments, the arguments or discussions, let's just call them that, that I've seen among sisters has always been respectful, even though there's, there's vast, you know, mm-hmm. polar opposites of what's going on right now, but we're here to listen, you know, yes. and, and I think one of the greatest, one of the greatest things I learned while in the chapter, um, and even going forward was how to listen and build consensus, which, um, is vital right now. I mean, Absolutely. especially, especially now. Um, we're not all gonna, we're, I mean, we both grew up in the time and went off to college when the preppy handbook. Oh, yeah, out, right, know, that was the Bible. In, <laughs> or next to gra- the Bible. Yeah, if you graduated from high school in 81, you probably got three or four of them as graduation. Right. Rates. And I think that's the negative image that people the press and all that have not been in the Greek system continue want to want to label us with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so much more. I mean, if on any, in any town, in any, you know, the volunteer system, the junior league system, the service circles, you know, whatever you give back, the, the, the people who run the town more than likely have had some sort of Greek background because they know they know how to get things done Mm -hmm. and it's not that they know anybody but it's a and what I've seen with Kamega it's it's the want and the need to jump in if if there's a need let's get it done how do we get this done how do we you know I think back to um the helping hands fund of Kamega especially when the hurricanes all hit Texas, you know, a couple of years back in Louisiana. Well, they've done it again. And it's sisters just, it's like people have, pe- people need something. So we've got to band together and get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, not with a lot of hoopla, not with a lot of, you know, I'm not doing it to get my name in anything. It's just, right. it's, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. It's our connection And I like to say that we are in the business of building strong women. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, all different facets, you know, from introvert to super extrovert <laughs> and everything in between. But, you know, even if you're the quiet little church mouse, I mean, you are still a strong woman and, yeah. and she can still face that storm. And, and, and because, of, because of the support that she has. Yeah. And, and, and the ability, you know, and I think I think to me, that's the greatest thing for me and that I want to pay forward um, is continuing to create, create strong women, is to continue to give them an outlet to learn how to lead and be strong mm-hmm. leaders and, and to pay, you know, in that sense, pay for it. And, you, and you're right. It's like, you know, when you have what we called rush is now recruitment, um, we're sisters on purpose, but not because we're, it's a house or a chapter of a thousand leaders. I mean, or a thousand alpha females, right? You need everybody. You need the, you know, like at Tennessee, we had something called Carnicus, which is this huge, you know, spring production that you put on. Well, you need people that are behind the scenes. You need people that can direct. You need the star of the show. You need, you know, all those parts. Right. And and then in this group, we see that the person behind the scenes is just as strong and just as important as the star of the show and Mm -hmm. just as valued, excuse me, just as valued and just as needed in Mm -hmm. our network. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, that is profound. Um, before we move too much out of your college experience, I'm wondering if you have a certain sister or a certain experience or a certain memory that is just one of your favorite things from Chi Omega. I know that's kind of hard maybe to maybe think of yeah. one. Uh, there's, I mean, there's so many different, different memories. I, I think upon being a transfer, I mean, pledging at Chapel Hill is one of the most exciting things ever. And, and I don't even, you know, I feel for the girls now that this year has been so different, but you know, you, your, your bid at that day was hand delivered to you by your Rokai at your mm-hmm. dorm room. You opened it up and then you ran from your dorm to the house. And that was, you know, overwhelming, exciting. I had no idea what I was getting into. I mean, honestly, my, my dad and, and mom and all them behind the scenes, I didn't know what work went on. I, I honestly went into rush recruitment, starry-eyed there for a lark. Well, this will mm-hmm. be a fun way to meet some people. I had no that was clue. Me. Was, exactly. And, and I'm so glad I did because watching watching the angst that goes on now is heartbreaking but yeah I went and I remember my mom asked me it's like well you know keep those girls in mind I was like yeah they're nice they're all nice you know these parties are everybody's so friendly Mm -hmm. you know I'm chatting nonstop for days and and then you run to the house and it was like wow this is so much bigger than I had even imagined and they were so supportive and had good friends there and then when I transferred to Tennessee um, 
I remember walking across campus and had letters on. And I knew, I knew girls at Tennessee. I knew girls in the chapter. I knew girls in the AOPI, Tridel, you know, I knew people there. Um, but people, but I remember a sister meeting somebody that I didn't know because she had the letters on too. And how warm the reception was. Um, and that welcome into a new home, although they didn't know me, was so kind and I mean so I I desperately needed that at that time but to fast forward I would say you know some of my favorite memories were during homecoming you know I had never we we didn't do that at Chapel Hill and Webb certainly never had a homecoming and learning about pumping a float and I was like wait I, I, I don't even understand this you're putting you're putting tissue and glue in chicken wire. I was like, <laughs> I never knew that's what was, it. you know, how does this all, you know, happen? And staying up all night and getting to know people that you had mm -hmm. not known well before. And, and, you know, the late night studying, the, all those kind of things, such wonderful memories. And the fact too, that I remember, you know, being so stressed, you know, you're in college, you were so stressed right. all the time. And then years later, being on the other side, being an advisor, being like, oh, y'all aren't stressed. You have no idea. <laughs> mm -hmm. In the same way that my parents would have been like, yeah, you're so stressed. You have a little job. <laughs> you go to class. You know, all those kind of things. You have no idea. And it's like, oh, to be able to go back is wonderful. But at the same time, it's like, I would not, you know, the friendships, the trips, the spring breaks. Um, it was so fun. And also too, it's, and I, and I get it. I get it now having had, I'm, I'm 40 years out of there. And my younger son did tell me recently when I was trying to help him um, do hunt for a summer job. And I was giving him all the tips that I'd been given and that I had done. He goes, mom, really? I'm like what? You know, I'm just trying to help you because you're 35 years removed from that. It's different. And I was like, oh, you know, I remember having the same conversation with my dad and you're absolutely right. Um, I don't know what it's like to be you now. I don't know what it's like that y'all are going through. Y'all do have a lot different pressures than we did. Mm -hmm. um, and, and when it comes down to dollars, yeah, I mean, it's all relative, but at the same time, it's way more expensive for the kids now absolutely than, than when we were in school I mean just university costs college mm -hmm. is more mm -hmm. expensive I mean I, I remember while at UT several guy friends um, worked at Kroger in the butcher department to pay for school and they were in a fraternity well that kind of income then could pay for your semester mm -hmm couldn't do that now there's no way so yeah it's lots lot I mean we 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 had a wonderful as Susan Dance said I saw her podcast we had a we had a great pledge class even though I wasn't officially a pledge in that class um when we were at Pi we have we had a great exec we just had a wonderful group of girls that we all kind of tangentially try to stay in touch with 
So, so you and Susan were in the same class. Yes. Like junior year, or I guess, what was it? Um, soft, sophomore year when you transferred? Uh, yeah, mid sophomore year. So I you were like a fourth semester college student and, and that's where Susan was as well. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. and, and she went to another school. She went to Farragut in Knoxville and I went to Webb. We knew of each other and we through, you know, through young life and, and friends. Mm -hmm. So we knew each other, but we didn't know each other yeah. yet. Um, and yeah, that was, that was a pretty dynamic. We had a great group of girls. I mean, every, every pledge class has a great group, but yeah, it was very fun. Um, and, you know, I just, I know that I probably say this every single podcast, but for me, my parents were not in fraternities and sororities. They went to, you know, very small schools. And um, I just thought, you know, yeah, this sounds like a fun thing to do while I'm in school. And I had yeah. no idea 40 years later, here I would be talking about it and it is just as important a part of my life as it was back in college and in some ways even more important yeah you know because our, our our issues our struggles are different and you know how my sisters have been for me been there for me in my 50s mm -hmm. is just remarkable you know I never knew I never knew I did not know then the gift that I was being given. Well, and and it's not just my age group, it's the cross-generational age group. Absolutely. Because, you know, when I go back and visit in Knoxville, um, the, the friends that I made, the advisor friends that I made mm -hmm. um, have remained friends. Um, yeah, it's just, and, and to see their friendships among their group, um it just yeah it's i mean it's it's a big world but you make it smaller by the friends and the lasting mm -hmm. relationships and you know we lived in atlanta and as it turned out i worked with girls when i was working in the hotel industry that were kamegas didn't know it. it's not the first thing that you come out with when you meet somebody um when we moved here the same thing happened in Appleton, in Vegas. I um, joined and went to a couple of the uh, alumni group things there. So it, you know, it makes a big world a little bit smaller. Yes, um, and and those transitions, those moves, a little bit easier. It gives us sort of that familiarity, that immediate connection. And yeah. I have made friends as an alumna that are as close to me as my pledge sisters. Were, yes. the sisters that I was in chapter with. Um, I, okay, I, you know, I, I think I missed something. Was your dad in a fraternity? Yes. Okay. He was, he you was say a KA. Was that right? Oh, okay. No. He was a, okay. no, he was a KA at Millsaps. My, my son was a Kai Sai. Okay. Okay. Um, so you did, you know, one of your parents did have that experience. After graduation, did you? go right into Chi Mega involvement or was there a break? Did you there take was a break. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, I mean, both Jay and I um, did the five-year program for okay. getting out of school. And I got out in, I graduated in August and he graduated in December. 
And then we got married January 3rd of 1987. So we graduated in 86, got married, um, and then took jobs in Atlanta. He was working for a trucking company and I was working for the hotel company. Um, and no, we were right out of college and enjoying being newly married mm -hmm. and having fun and all that kind of stuff. We were there for, uh, we, we were there till we moved back to Knoxville, I want to say in 89 or 90. Um, and he went to work for the family company. Um, and I worked briefly for my stepmother. Um, she had a, a banking, a trust company that she had started and I love her, but um, she's 13 years old, older than I am. And it's a wildly, it's become a wildly successful company, but I remember it was still starting up then. And we have different, we have different men, our working styles. And um, at the end of the day, one day I told my dad, I was like, I, I hate her at the end of every day. <laughs> I cannot work for her. I love her dearly, but I, no, no. Cause she could, you know, she's brilliant. So um, I told her, I, I want to still love you and be able to come over for dinner. And mm -hmm. I, I can't. So I then job hunted and went, ended up working for the family business as well for, for Bush brothers in the marketing consumer marketing. We then had kids or had, had Ian, our first, and um, he, it, it, it was a difficult transition in that Jay took a different spot with Bush Brothers and he was gone all the time. And I had gone back to work and Ian was sick, mm -hmm. non, nonstop. He was in the hospital, um, he had RSV twice. And so at that point we realized it was like, you know what, it, I'm not making enough money to pay for the child care. <laughs> To not ever be at work because yeah. he's always sick. So it was, you know, it's one of those kind of curveballs that you never anticipate. I'd always thought, my husband thought I would be this just businesswoman the rest of my mm -hmm. life working. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, and then we had him. It was like, wow, no, I've been given this incredible gift. And we made, you know, we made the sacrifices. I stayed home. And that's when I don't sit still well. Um, but also wasn't making any money either. So I had to be kind of judicious as to what I did. Um, and then I started volunteering. I, I you know, let the, the ladies in Knoxville know um, if, you, if you need anybody, if you need anybody to help, I'm here. Um, and at that time, apparently they did. So I became a pledge advisor which was great fun. And um, when was that? Were the kids little or were oh, they often like high no. school or college? Oh gosh, no. Ian was uh, a baby. Okay, so um, little. He was tiny. Mm -hmm. And one of the nice things that we kind of came up with then um, to kind of lure alumni in to pay their dues was if you pay your dues, because at that time everybody needed a babysitter that I was right. around then we'll let you have the babysitter list of Kamega. So Ian had lots of Kamega babysitters. And as a matter of fact, Leslie Harrington was Leslie Richborg then, uh -huh. was one of our babysitters. Um, and they went to, he went to, you know, meetings because I had to, you know, take him with me. Um, when I was pregnant with Cameron. I was still an advisor and went to, I was at convention in Houston, um, hugely pregnant and hot. Um, 
at that convention but yeah so they they grew up with it and knew all about the coyotes and heard about them nonstop. um but yeah so i i did that until we moved to wisconsin and, and did then, you meet your husband in at ut knoxville <laughs> met him he moved um his dad came back to Tennessee from Wisconsin, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, because his dad was, had gone to UT. He was, uh, he's a Tennessean, um, but he came back to run the company. And so when Jay moved to Knoxville in the 10th grade, we met riding the bus to Webb. Okay. Oh, so Webb yeah. was co-ed. I, I was yeah. thinking it was uh, all girl prep no, school. No, 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 okay. no, co-ed. Okay. Oh, so co-ed. you met in high school. Yes. So were you high school sweethearts? I mean, did it we start were, way back then? We started dating senior year in high school, dated long distance freshman year in college, and much to his consternation, and I think it had a lot to do with the depression, um, I broke up at the end of our freshman year in college because I was like, we're not getting married. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just, and I'm miserable. I was miserable about everything at that point in my life. Um, However, I had I had kind of forgotten we were going to be working at the same pavilion during the whole world's fair together that summer. So that, you know, that mm-hmm. was, every was now and then I, yeah, it was, yeah, we didn't date that summer. We hardly spoke because I had already been, it's like, well, I, I still want to be friends. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, I remember my brother going, you did not say that. And I was like, well, <laughs> I did. So, but yeah. It, it all came, it came around full circle. Yeah, that is lovely. You know, my own son who is um, gonna be 25 in December, he is engaged to be married and he met his bride in the seventh grade. Oh, wow. So, I mean, you don't hear about that much anymore. So you are one of those high school sweetheart scenarios. Yes. I love that. Um, okay, so, what um so you were pledge advisor at pi and mm-hmm. then um d- did you do any other kind of advisorship at pi or um no, with the alumni we, association no we we moved we moved here and so i gave that up moving up here i then once i got to wisconsin because it's you know the the Alumni Association in Wisconsin around Milwaukee is great. I've gone down there and visited that. But um, I signed up for, they had a need for um, state rush information chair. So I've mm-hmm. done that since I've been here. And then at that time, they were doing regional alumni directors. Mm-hmm. So I remember uh, that. They asked. And so I was like, okay, I'll do that. So I did that for a while. And then... Um, kind of, you know, I've, I've stayed doing state rush. There was a bit of a break while the kids were in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, because just at that time, I've, I've, I'm a mom of boys. God gave me boys for a reason because I grew up around boys. I'm very comfortable with that. And we had a ball. So yeah, doing all kids stuff for several years. Um, and then in the past couple of years, it, it is as my, you know, as you know, the minute they go off to college, it's like, oh, it took me a while. It's like, especially when my younger one went, um, you basically get fired from the best job you've ever had. Mm -hmm. And you don't know 
that it all comes to a screeching halt the minute you drop them off at college. That's not to say you're not still a mom and you're not still caring and all that, but the day-to-day nonstop needs, mm-hmm. there it's not there. Right. And so I had time. Mm-hmm. And about that time, I guess, is when I then for the foundation called. Well, that's what I want to really dig into now. Um, So every episode, I do like to highlight a certain aspect of Chi Omega. And today, and I haven't done this in an episode before, I want to talk about the foundation. So, and this is huge. I think that we could do several episodes on this, but um, because there's so much to the foundation. I did a little bit of research in getting ready for today. And there's so much. Um, now, there is a lot. So, um, you know, maybe you have more of a background, but um, I think that the foundation really became, well, the foundation when we were um, actives and that was the beginning of the foundation or as we were yeah. recent graduates. Do you know more about how it came about? No, I, you know, no, I don't. But that was about the time. I mean, it hasn't been with yeah. us. For, you know, when you think of the history of Chi Omega, 125 years, the foundation has been with us for about 40, 45, right. something like that. So in the life of Chi Omega, you know, it, it's come a long way in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. So the foundation reached out to you. Yeah, they did. It was first through, um, I can't remember the woman's, I'm so bad with names, um, but it was with regard to reading the scholarships um, okay. applications. Mm-hmm. And so I was on that committee and for several years, I want to say, I don't know, four to six years, I was on that committee reading the scholarships, you know, and get, there's a rating system, all that kind of stuff. And then was tangentially involved with that. And then going forward, forward I think it was um after because Pi Chapter built a house after I was out um somehow I don't know somebody got my name and I got a call from uh Christy Passmore um who is you know the fundraiser extraordinaire for Kai I believe she's been with the executive office for about 10 years now yes she had been with um Vanderbilt for years and um so she came up and visit we we had a great chat visited and it's when I first became aware of the risk management modules Mm -hmm. that the foundation was putting together so there was one on risk management and mental health so I was happy to participate and and help you know put some money towards that so then you know getting to know and the crazy thing is through the years the Kamegas that are you know like Lynn Harris when she was a chapter visitor met her when I was at Pi and you know she's from Chattanooga so we have you know she's wonderful um Laura Miller was on the National Rush team eons ago when I was in the chapter and through Susan Dance and stuff, met her. So somehow my name got bandied about and we all met at, um, in New York, two, two 
not the, two years ago in December at Stephanie Olmstead's home. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of the um, brainstorming and realizing for the health of the foundation um, to continue. We, that's where the Ever at Heart campaign came about. And the purpose, and, and some people can describe it much better than I can. The purpose of the foundation is that they um, fund and create anything educational with regard to Kaimega, all the programming, all that kind of stuff. And as we've all seen, things evolve so much faster now. And whereas years ago, it might've been the Cardinal and Straw Cabinet thing. They came up with that, well thought out, very intentional. And that was into place. Well, with the internet, with all things digital now, stuff moves faster. Mm -hmm. And getting, especially now during COVID, getting the information to the chapters um, comes at a faster pace, digital, you know, all Kaimegas go through alcohol and substance abuse training, part of the thing. They, seniors go through, you know, other modules more attuned to their age group. Well, those things all cost money. Mm -hmm. And those things all cost now even more than say Cardinal and Straw Cabinet did eons before. So that's what we're trying to make sure that we have the money in place that it can continue to grow so that, you know, you're not always having to go back to the well and mm -hmm. ask for more money. And I think everyone realizes now we are the, the largest collegiate, largest alumni women's organization in the country. I don't want to say the world because I don't know what all else is here, but I would As say- As Sister the Lynn Harris would say, biggest of the best. The biggest, biggest <laughs> the best. And from the biggest and the best, and we didn't get to be the biggest and the best because we sat on our laurels. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's an ever-changing world and we want to be, we want to be there to help guide our sisters through it. Mm -hmm. and, and because their challenges are, are are different from we when we were in school too you know we were talking yeah. about how when we grew up we were able to run around as the feral children um yeah. and you know today that's not the case well the same is true on campus campus life mm -hmm. is different um yeah. and in order to i think reach these students um and in order to produce something a program that is engaging and effective that mm -hmm. takes the money it does you know it's not just you know building a powerpoint and saying, no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which that would take me two or three days to do but you know I, yeah they're much more savvy yes. than we were yes. at that age i mean it's it, as we can all see how quickly things go now i mean from when oh god when facebook what was the one before facebook myspace myspace uh -huh. oh wow yeah you know by the time i discovered myspace my kids had moved on and were like oh right. you know, that <laughs> you know y'all ruined that the moms ruined that mm -hmm. well same thing happened with facebook right and now it's moved that much quicker in into the point of like just our recruitment this fall 
pretty much with 99% virtual. And, oh, I, that it, is amazing. And you know, they handled I, it. I looked at the program. I'm sorry to mm-hmm. jump in, but oh, no, no. I was able, you know, I think about, I was the um, GM at my chapter and um, I remember my pledge manual and, you know, it, it, like these huge binders that we carry oh, yeah. around. And now it is an app on our phone, you know, it, it, it's, it's just, I'm just astounded by it. Oh, you, I, know. you know, I mean, in, in the fact that how well the sisters in the chapter pivoted at, at such a crucial time, you know, that not knowing, is this going to be all virtual rush mm-hmm. or recruitment? How is that going to look? You know, what, how's it going to feel? Um, mm-hmm. They did incredible, incredibly well. Um, having been rush chair, I would have been like, oh, oh my, I know. you know, I, I, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful that, that, that wasn't then because we wouldn't have known what to do. We right. didn't have those tools that we have now. And with the tools that we have now of staying connected and right. their ease with the connection online is incredible. Um, and, you know, the other thing about, you know, connections online, um, something that I don't think might really resonate with college students today is how permanent their actions can be. Um, yeah. For example, you know, I, I saw this, I think, on Facebook yesterday. Thank God um, in my 50s. That means that not, nothing stupid that I did in high school and college is documented <laughs> and now projected out to the entire world. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I get it. You know, we're in fun moments. Ha, 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 ha. You know, take a picture, post it. And I think I, I'm not a big Instagram user, but I think it's on Snapchat. You know, if they think it just goes away instantly. Oh, yeah. But, you know, a screenshot of that and it is everywhere. So uh, is there is there yeah. a program that we're talking about that with the students? You know, I don't know. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. I would imagine there is, you know, there will be programs with that. I don't really know other than the risk management, which I would think to a certain degree oh. falls under that. Yeah. But no, I greater minds than I do all the programming and go after it. I mean, I think, I think too, though, any girl that has gone through recruitment on the other side now as a sister realizes there, there are deep dives into every single recruits social media background. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, you, oh, so, so glad I grew up in a different time because you know, one misstep, one silly <sighs> indiscretion that you mm-hmm. think nothing of, mm-hmm. um, and it could it could be completely innocent, but right. you can get so attacked right. online and misconstrued and whatever, and it's like, oh my word, if I had to, oh, if if anything that I said as a seventeen to twenty one year old was brought back up now, mm-hmm. it'd be like, uh. You know, I, know. I don't remember it, but I'm not going to say I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, it's, you just have to be so careful. 
so, so careful of everything you say, do, or post. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a good friend of mine, her son just graduated from the University of Alabama, and I know that he would never be involved in anything untoward. He's an outstanding young man. I told her, though, to be careful if anybody has their phones out, because Mm -hmm. even if he's caught in a picture of something else going on, you know, he's going to be targeted, you know, and we've seen boys, I think especially boys in the media where they've had to leave the schools where they mm-hmm. went, they've had to, you know, start a new life over again. Yeah. And, you know, and it, that is it's going to follow them forever. So yeah. um, I think that that is um, where we really have to bring back well, not we are there, but continue to really focus and emphasize our purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, personal integrity and high standards of personnel are just more important now than ever because everything that we do, everything that we say is out there. Um, so I, I thought that the Ever at Heart campaign was brand new, but here you were talking about it two years ago. Um, before we talk about Ever at Heart, I want to talk about the 125th anniversary challenge. I want to talk about, you know, the the idea, you know, where it came from, how it came together. And first of all, I cannot thank you enough for what you did. Um, You got our sisters, our actives and alumni excited. You know, we, especially in that last week, the last two weeks moving up to convention, um, Mm -hmm. you know, people were posting, you know, have you seen the numbers? You know, we're almost there. We need, we need a hundred more, you know, to get. So I can't thank you enough. You just, you just really pushed obviously not the act of donating and in small numbers too. It didn't have to be a big donation. Oh yeah, no. Small numbers, but also you injected this energy into the giving that was just really exciting. I can't thank you enough, Susan, well, honestly. Well, I'm humbled. Thank you. Um, it's, it's one of those things, I mean, I, my, parents, my parents grew up modestly but following their example and, and following my in-laws example is we're stewards. Mm-hmm. Um, and my parents, I watched them give back and donate to the community from the time I was very little. Now, granted, I remember talking with my dad and that it's like, you know, giving and donating do not always mean financial. You're giving your time yes. mm-hmm. um, and you're, and you're being there and you're giving your, your the sweat talents. equity, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, your talents. And I remember what my dad, my dad had lots of, you know, he was a very unique guy. My mom too, they gave back to their community, but dad continued with some different pet projects and fundraised. Um, and he corralled me into one of them at one point. And I was like, dad, you know, I am super uncomfortable because we just moved back to Knoxville had was making very little money and he was on a campaign for arms nature center in Knoxville and asking people for big bucks and he gave me a list of people I needed to call that were my parents you know they're my friends parents to ask them and I was like dad you know daddy I am so not comfortable asking people for 
this amount of money when I can't do anything. I can't give any money. And he goes, well, first of all, all you got to do is ask. So the worst they can say is no. And he goes, what you're giving now is your time and your sweat mm -hmm. equity. And that's just as big a tithe mm -hmm. as a financial thing. So that resonated and moving on to today was I saw an opportunity and we'd been talking, we were working on this Everett Heart Fund and, you know, what we needed to do. And, and, and it's not as much, it's making the connections. The most important thing for me out of it is continuing to make the connections with the older Chi Omegas, my age Chi Omegas, younger Chi Omegas, to be involved. Yeah. Sure, I would love for everybody to give what they can give. But the bigger picture is that we remain involved in Chi Omega um, and, and keep her ever at heart. Um, and I realize it's like, I've got the ability to give this amount. And it kind of, as we were talking in his group and I was like, well, you know, 125, it's our 125th year. I can make this pledge. Okay. I, it's easier for me to do that than to ask somebody else for money. If I can't, you know, that's just, it's money is so uncomfortable and I get it. Um, we've had many family on the Bush side, family discussions um, regarding, you know, finances and stewardship and that kind of stuff. And in it, dealing with the different subject with them, we had the discussion, I go, you know, honestly, it's easier to talk about sex than it is to talk <laughs> about money because money is so uncomfortable. Um, not that that's not uncomfortable either, but I'm just saying, you know, right. you, you, you never know where everybody's coming from. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, I have been told there, there are people, the cancel culture is big mm -hmm. is one of the things. And, and there was the fear too, in a lot of ways, it's like, well, you know, we don't know how this is going to be received. We don't want to put your name out because we don't want you to be somehow, you know, marked by that. And I was like, well, you know, it is what it is. I do have the ability to give this. I am in a very fortunate position that I never, ever imagined that we would be able to be in. And I want to share it. And this is something I feel very, very strongly about, about the future of Kamega and, and the significance it's been in my life and the significance that I hope that it is for generations to come and for the women ahead. Um, I'm humbled by the reaction. I'm humbled that, you know, I, I'm glad that I could do something to get people inspired. I've cracked up because I have two sister-in-laws um, that are in Texas, Jay's sisters, both Kamegas. Mm -hmm. um, one's an advisor and sister Sarah, you know, throughout it, because I didn't tell them what I was doing. Um, she starts texting me like insane and, and she's with all of her pledge class on a retreat and they're like we're watching the numbers we're watching the numbers you know for for a convention and she goes what's it? you know every day I would get another one I was like so what is it now and I'd be like online going well I don't know I'm trying to find it um but yeah it was you know it was to do convention online was so fun you know, mm -hmm. yes, I so wanted to go to Memphis this year. Yes. So wanted to be a part of it. But 
to be able to do it virtually and everybody got to be a part of it. Right. It was very that, cool. that allowed people to be a part of that who yeah. may not have been able or didn't even think about going to Memphis. Yeah. Um, but you, I, I think that what was so important and, um, and I want to talk about this a little bit, is that you weren't looking for big bucks from the donors. Now, oh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that what it was is that you wanted 5,000 sisters to pledge or donate at least $10. Mm-hmm. $10. And you know what? I got to tell you, um, I, you know, I'm single. I was an only parent. My kids' dad passed away when they were 10 and 13. And, um, you know, sadly, um, there was no life insurance and I was an at-home mom. I had to start, you know, a career, which, which I've been so fortunate in, but I don't have $125,000 to donate. However, I can do $10, number one, and two, I can post this on social media. I can mm-hmm. say, I'm in, come on sisters, let's do it. I can tag so-and-so in you know, this state and so-and-so in this state, you know, let me know when you did it. Because you know, that meant so much to me mm-hmm. that I was able to be a part of that when I can't do big bucks. And I was also able to share it as well. So yeah. I, you know, I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed by what you did. And well, I, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things it's, I have two different, I have a, a cousin, another Bush cousin. Um, and we always kind of follow what she said. Melissa is like, be a doer. And so I'm always like, you know, what can I do? Well, I could do that at that time. And, and to go back, you know, when we were first married, um, we, we got married, we have all these beautiful wedding gifts and we moved back into Jay's um, college apartment. That was our first apartment. And it was in subsidized housing in downtown Knoxville. And I'm sure I it was remember, lovely. Oh, it was lovely. <laughs> it was lovely. We were downwind from the JFG coffee plant, which was great, <laughs> but it was also Lay's meat packing plant, which was not so yes. great. Especially um, on hot human days. Oh, hot. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> and we were on the top floor. And I mean, to, to go from that, and I remember too, because we were both working, we were trying to find other jobs. We were working hourly labor until we found our job job. Mm-hmm. And the idea that, you know, we would go from that to, I now have the ability to give this, I, I would have never imagined. I would never have imagined oh. to be able to do that. And it's also too, it's, it's, it's sharing the gift. And it's, yes. you know, from, from my Miller side, which was my family to the Bush side, we're all kind of, you know, that, that Scott Irish background of your stewards. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're only here for a short time. We're stewards of what we have. And if I can't share that, then, you know, what's the point? Right. What's the point? And you. no, you can't take it with you mm-hmm. and, and hoarding it, Yeah. you know, what, yeah. yay. It's like, right. what's the point? And, mm-hmm. and honestly, and everybody's different. You never know what life's going to hit you with. Um, so true. And, and you know, yeah, I and, didn't know that I was going to yeah. be in that situation when I got married. I, no. I, I envisioned a very different life, yeah. you know, and, um, 
you know, and again, um, but I am still able to do, you know, to do this kind of contribution. The other thing that I would love to be a part of is the 1895 Society. Um, I, you know, just another really neat um, way to be a part of Chi Omega. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so right now I wanna issue a challenge to anyone listening, any sister, that if you can be involved in the 1895 Society, do it. Look, um, look at the website, um, mm -hmm. read about the 1895 Society, and it's really special. I think that there are also a few little inside perks that you can get. Yeah. You get some publications and, um, you know, again, it's just something fun. At the same time, sadly, even though I would love to, I can't be a part of the 1895 Society. However, what I can do is donate $1895 a month. I can donate $18.95 a month and, um, you know, maybe in the past before I thought about doing that, I was doing like $100 a year. And now that comes out to like $275 a year. So it's very doable. And, um, you know, it has increased my contribution. And, and I'm proud of it. There's no 1895 club, but maybe there will be. And so I, I want to say that if you can't be part of the 1895 Society, join me in the 1895 club and donate, you know, get, go on your bank um, app or, you know, the computer program and just have that taken out the first day of the month. It, you know, it's painless. You don't see it. And, and it adds up. And um, again, those small pieces yeah. can build into something much bigger. And, and that's the thing too. It's like, you don't, I mean, granted I was able to give this gift kind of to, to, get, to get other people the challenge going because I'd seen other people do issue a challenge and, and thought, well, you know, that'll work. But it's also too, every, every bit helps. Not everybody, you know, can give big big gifts but if you if you scale it back down to well i have a, a coffee out somewhere mm -hmm. how many times a week right. and i remember my dad saying the same thing even if it's one one coffee a week mm -hmm. say that's five dollars there you go right you know at the Absolutely. end of the year it's 250 250 something dollars so yeah. every little bit helps and it grows you know i mean it's as we've all learned with putting, you know, if you've got a Christmas club account, which right. used to do that, if you've got any of those kind of things, if it's taken out before it even comes to your checking account, right. you don't miss it. Not I mean, at if, all. if, you know, you may tie the church, you may tie the United Way, whatever. Um, and, and I had a great priest, Episcopal priest in Knoxville saying, he goes, you know, tithing doesn't mean just your dollars at church it's in his mind it's all across the board you know mm -hmm. it could be your talents that's your mm -hmm. tithe it could be your time that's your tithe that's what you've got as a resource all those things are equally as important mm -hmm. um it's you know and at different times we can do different pieces and parts exactly. of that too exactly so, and I just think it's fun. It's fun to, you know, be a part of it. 
And, um, you know, and a lot of that, like I said, has to do with your call to action and your challenge. And I can't thank you enough. Um, Like I said, I don't have the words to express my gratitude. And the other thing is, gosh, what the foundation funds, these educational programs, these scholarships. And so part of, um, you know, my developing my career is I, I had to go to graduate school in order to be certified in what I'm doing. And I did apply for a Chi Omega scholarship through the foundation. I was awarded the Chi Omega scholarship and it meant so much to me, not just because it helped me, you know, financially when, you know, I had one in college and one in high school and I'm in graduate school. I mean, it was a yeah. lot. And, um, but it was that Kyle Omega was still there behind me saying, you yeah. can do this, Paula, you can do this and we're behind you. And um, I, since then I did get my um, associate doctorate as well. And, um, you know, just, it just kept me on the path. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just so grateful. And then, you know, the, like you said, the risk management programs, the, um, all the educational programs that the actives can participate and need to participate in now. And Mm -hmm. I don't think when we were um, in an active uh, chapter of members that we, you know, that these programs were available to us. Um, if they, if they were, it was in, in maybe a smaller way. I don't remember it that much, but I just think that what we're doing for our active chapter members now is really profound and it's well, making yeah, a difference in their lives. Yeah. I mean, the, the Nancy Walton, Laurie, you know, Institute, mm-hmm. that's part of it. Um, the scholarships, um, any programming that comes to the chapters. I mean, that's, that's because of tax laws. The foundation is solely for the benefit of educational purposes. Um, For, you know, the small percentage of the houses, you know, people are giving through the foundation to the housing fund for such and such. Um, The little bit of the housing is only that which pertains to education. Mm-hmm. I guess if, you know, if there's a computer room in the right. sorority house, or if there's like, I know when I was at school in North Carolina, you had um, study rooms, mm-hmm. so it could do that. Um, the tax laws are such that that's the only way, you know, you can do things. Otherwise we would lose our status with that. But I think especially now with programming and what we can offer for the sisters to be just a bit more than the other fraternities or sororities mm-hmm. is our programming. And right. it's, and they do, and they're constantly evolving and national is very good about staying a step ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. Seeing what the trends are right now. Um, they're, they're very intentional about, be it the diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. aspect to, um, you know, they, they had to pivot and, and through national, through the universities and whatnot, changing and shortening the pledging program. Right. Um, all of those things, they're very intentional and they're very uh, on, on top of. I know, mm-hmm. I, I know, you know, back in the day when, when 
I was in the chapter, when you were in the chapter, you know, sometimes we'd be like, oh, they just don't get it in the same right. way that our kids do to us, you know, because you're <laughs> right. in the moment and you're collegiate, yes. and you know, everything. Um, and now looking back, it's like, no, they were, they were very intentional then as well. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. they knew what was going on. They had their finger on it. Times change, things evolve and they've evolved with it. Sometimes, you know, things evolved slower then than they do now, but I'm, I'm very impressed and very confident in our governing council. Um, they're very intentional and, and they've got their finger on the pulse. They know what, they know our needs. Um, and to think too, that all those women are volunteers as well. And they have whole other lives. Oh my jobs. gosh. Oh I, my I'm, gosh. I don't know how they do it. I don't either. I'm forever <laughs> in awe. And and when I'm when I'm on meetings with them, I'm like, oh, I am such a slug. I do not do half of what <laughs> they, you know. It's like, you go, girls. Right. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I say, well, you kind of make me feel bad about myself, but at the same time, too, okay, I'll uh, roll up my sleeves and, you know, work a little yeah. harder, do a little bit more. Now, are you part of the Nancy Walton Laurie Institute? Um, no, I've not okay. done that. I would mm-hmm. love to. I mean, it's something I would like Let's to sign do up it. to. I, I, I haven't done it either. Okay. Um, but I've heard from so many people that it's, yeah, it's well worth it. Um, I know they just offered it online to collegians and uh, alumni and it filled up in a day. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's, it's. And also they just, well, before COVID, of course, they started doing regional ones. I think that there was one in Boston. Um, there yeah. was one out West, maybe, maybe in Denver. Um, so really making that accessible. And now, you know, this is one of the blessings, you know, you're talking about blessings from quarantine and the family being together. Yeah. You know, there are some blessings that we have looked at other ways of getting this incredible programming out yeah. and um, it's going to benefit more people. Um, now, one of the um, things that I always ask my, my guests, and this is, it, I feel funny asking because we've already talked about it, but how can a member support the foundation or become involved? So um, mm. we've talked about it and I've issued my challenge, but wh- what are your thoughts on that? Um, if, you're, if you, if you want to be involved and if you're interested, go on to the Kamega every day. Mm-hmm. Um, look up on the dashboard foundation. Um, and at the bottom of it, I believe there's an Everett Hart link. Um, you can read about it. Uh, you know, reach out to, I mean, if you know any of the sisters on, um, the list that was, that was in the elusis of, um, uh, all the members on the Everett Hart committee, any or of us would love to talk to you. Um, you know, well, more tell than us w- about that. You know, you said that you were in the p- brainstorming phase like two years ago. I feel like I heard about it. Maybe my head's been in the sand, but I feel like I heard about it um, for the first time in the last couple of months. Um, yeah, it, it was it rolled out recently. It was. It was well. COVID hit. Um, it was rolled out. We finally started rolling it out. Um, I want to say in January mm-hmm. and okay. I had, you know, set up just to sit down and talk with people, wasn't asking mm-hmm. them for money, 
wasn't asking him for anything like that, just talking and connecting. And that's what a lot of the, you know, a lot of the people on this committee are doing now are Zoom calls with, with you know, groups of women mm-hmm. on Zoom, just connecting, just saying, you know, what are your experiences? What are your memories? What did you, you know, what do you want the next generations to know about? Um, and, and we're not, I would not say, I know my style is not, um, it's not like we're not going to let you leave until, you know, you pledge <laughs> X amount of dollars. It's like, no, I want, you know, ever, we have our fraternity ever at heart. We have our sisters ever at heart. Give, you know, if you can give, great. We'd love it just because we want the foundation to grow and that we know we have it for generations to come so that the sisters down the road that we're not constantly going back to the well, you know, kind right. of thing. Um, now, but- I wanted to ask you that we know how the Persephone circle works. We know how the 1895 society works and my little 1895 club um, and also how the 125th challenge works. How does Ever at Heart work? What, what is that? Is oh. that like a one-time donation? Is it a regular donation? It is can it be whatever one- you want to do? It's whatever you want to do. Okay. You just earmark that money to go to the Everett Hart Foundation or the Everett Hart Fund, mm-hmm. and it will be put in a fund that will continue to grow. Um, part of the 1895 and part of that that we kind of, I don't know, dovetail it into it is the 1895 is for for immediate needs. It's going now. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is to grow the Everett Hart fund so that it's an ongoing endowment that it's you know it's funding itself going forward um but yeah it's it's whatever you know it's I think in my mind because my mind is very simplistic it's to put into people's head space that these programs take money Yes. And these programs are essential to the training and learning, not learning, training. Well, developing. Great women. Mm-hmm. Developing. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a good word for it. Developing women of excellence. Mm-hmm. And that's what we strive to be. And to be able to continue to have that and be assured that that money is there, that's what this Everett Heart Fund is establishing it's let's say it's our nest egg for that so yeah the 125 uh challenge is going to that the money that you know that that i um pledged for that that's what this money is going to to build that endowment so you know that we are going forward um okay so for you, Susan, what has all of this meant to you? What has it meant to Susan? To be able to pay it forward, mm-hmm. to be able to be able to honor those women that came before me. Yes. And in in the words of our wonderful archivist, um, Lynn Harris. Um, I'm standing tall because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants Mm -hmm. before me. 
Um, and to be able to be able to pay, but I don't have daughters. Um, I was never a girly girl, but I see, you know, the greatness in my friendships that that have been cultivated through this across ages. Um, and I want I want that going forward for the girls that come behind me or the sisters, however you want to say it, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want any anybody to be upset that I'm not PC if I call them girls or women. I think we all know. I think we all know yes. what, what we are. Yes. Um, but I, you know, to build for the for those women that come behind me that will also be great leaders, that will also do incredible things. Um, I think this is a wonderful foundation for it. Kaimega has been that for me. Um, so. Now, have you also been thinking about what might be next for you and Kaimega? Are you already thinking about the next project or oh. is all your focus right now in Ever at Heart? Um, no, I haven't even thought about another project yet. I, you know, it's the the phrase of um, th- that when you had what was it uh, selection, not selections, but when you when you made the uh, what is that word that w- that we had when we talked about the um, being GM SM, you know, when oh, the slate. slate. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Lord, that was a word that I could not <laughs> find. Um, the job seeks the girl has always been, has, I I don't, I don't seek jobs. You know, if they need me, I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to volunteer. If they see that I can help them with something, I'm all in. Um, this I will, I'll have to say, and as I've told Christy Fassmore and a couple others, um, the connection part of doing this is easy for me love talking to people, love connecting. The idea of asking somebody for money just makes my skin crawl. And as Christy said to me the other when we were talking yesterday, she goes, oh, I'm good at that. I'm fine with that part. You know, just make the connections, just talk to people. And, you know, that's, it's, it, that's the easy part. Reconnecting with sisters, hoping, you know, that they can give something and just the importance of it is 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 what it is so um again i I just can't thank you enough for all that you do um now how can our listeners connect with you um are you on facebook instagram twitter um yeah no i'm on i'm on instagram okay susu511 um i'm on facebook but i'm really just kind of ghosting it at the moment yeah I have the instant message on, you you can always reach me through that or through email, any of those. Great. And I I have a feeling that I can answer this, but I'm going to ask you, you might surprise me, um, but what is today your favorite line from the symphony? Oh, um, you know, it's one of those things, the symphony, I have it on my desk. And when I have um, somebody that I know that, that ends up pledging, I, make it, I always send them because it really wasn't until, I mean, post-college that I really realized the enormity of how the symphony, how 
perfect it is. Mm -hmm. And what a wonderful thing for Ethel Switzer to have, to have written. I mean, just so, so good. But I would say probably always the um, being democratic rather, rather than, than, exclusive. than exclusive and mm -hmm. lovable rather than popular. Mm. Um, that to me is always, but yeah, there's a lot of times that through my head, um, I've been like, you know, speak kindly, act sincerely, all those kind of things. I mean, it's just kind of, I didn't realize what a mantra it has become at times. So. Yes, and I, I have to say, you surprised me. I thought you might say ever at heart, but um, <laughs> I love that. Democratic rather than exclusive, lovable rather than popular. So um, yeah, thank you. I imagine that you are full of surprises. And, <laughs> Um, Susan, I just can't thank you enough for being a guest here on Kyle Living. Um, today, I, I don't think I have to, but I do challenge all of my um, guests in the, in the words of Rosalind Dabbs, one of our former SHs and foundation president extraordinaire yes. to hold high the torch of Chi Omega. And may our beloved sisterhood continue to be a shining light for you in all the days of your life. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It we was lovely to, to meet you. To, lovely to meet you. So, um, and then we're going to have you back. Okay. <laughs> I've got more. I've got more. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Again, I want to thank Sister Susan Miller Bush for taking time out of her busy schedule to visit us on Cayo Living. I also want to encourage and challenge all of our listeners to consider how you can give to the Chi Omega Foundation that is the source that keeps Chi Omega the biggest and the best. Like me, you may not be able to be a member of the 1895 Society or donate $125,000 at um, one of our um, anniversaries, but you may be able to donate $18.95 a month and be a part of my 1895 club. Um, these regular donations do add up and make it a difference and contribute to keeping our programming state-of-the-art while keeping Chi Omega's welfare ever at heart. And thank you, sisters, for listening in on Chi o Living where Kai-O alumni share our Kai-O stories. Again, just a quick reminder that Kai-O Living is not connected to the national organization of Kai Omega in any way, and all of the thoughts and opinions are my own and that of the sisters that I'm chatting with. Remember, Kai Omega sisters, that our sisterhood truly is for a lifetime. Hashtag Kai Omega, hashtag Kai Omega Foundation, hashtag biggest and the best, Hashtag Sisters on Purpose. Hashtag Kai O Living. This is Paula Axford in the Shades of Evening, looking forward to our reunion.